Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. So in today's episode, we're exploring how virtual worlds might affect our changing or evolving identity. We've invited Giovanni Castillo. He's a senior metaverse design for Aquian. He's a design thinker, an architect and creative technologist that's been born for this type of spatial computing revolution. I reached out to him based on a really insightful article he wrote and posted on LinkedIn. So he's here today to help us unpack and understand a little bit more about avatars and this new economy that many of us are spending time in, which is virtual worlds. Welcome to the show, Giovanni. Thanks very much, Craig. Thanks for having me. I love the opportunity to have some cool conversations. I agree. I always like to start with a bit of an origin story, and that has to do with what got you interested in virtual worlds and, and for a little bit, VR and and maybe even avatars tie all that into us. What what got you interested there? Well, my 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 background really in the my beginning is really as a fine artist, but I was building physical spaces for a long time as an installation artist. It somehow went, you know, developed into work in simulation environments and stuff. I ended up working for NASA when I was a little younger. And um, it kind of progressed through work in um, architecture and interactive work. And it all, of, all of it has kind of just kind of coalesced perfectly around spatial computing, which we need many disciplines to kind of create quality and interesting experiences for users. So I was just kind of right at the right moment as, as all of this has kind of started to coalesce say, around 2014 for me. And avatars are just a big part of the experience you start get more and more familiar with as you spend time in virtual worlds and you develop kind of opinions and views on the use of them or how you look in them or what you feel about them. So that that's kind of the, the short and sweet of it. I agree. And I think sometimes the avatars overlooked when we hop into a social VR experience. But, you know, let's back let's back up a bit and you know, how would you explain to someone who might be new to this topic, especially educators and instructors, like, you know, give us the Cole's Notes version of what an avatar might be for them? Well, an avatar is basically a second body or it could be a third or fourth body, but you use, you use them to interact with others in the virtual worlds. And because virtual worlds or this concept of the metaverse is about three-dimensional and immersive worlds, avatars are necessary in order to kind of have a presence. And um, so <clears throat> they're kind of our mode of interaction, our interface with the virtual world is our avatar. So it becomes incredibly important, especially if you're interested in like someone like me in, fa in fashion, or um, you're very kind of a much of an aesthetic thinker. How do I represent myself in this world? How do I look? And when you spend enough time in those avatars, you become conscious of that body and you also become 
more conscious of how you feel about that second body and how that might affect how you see yourself generally in the, in the real world or the virtual world. That, that, that's such an interesting dichotomy. In fact, you know, it almost to some is a bit of a, a dichotomy, you know, on yeah. one, on one belief, you know, some people think that avatars are just ornaments, you know, and yeah. stuff, stuff that we put on has right. little long-term impact on right. shaping our identity. And then there are other people like you alluded to, you know, because VR is so immersive and there is a sense of presence there and embodiment that as soon as we don the characteristics of our virtual avatar, that yeah. it will shape our identity. And you've done some thinking on this and wrote, you know, part one of a, a, a several series of articles on this. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Is it dependent on the person or do you truly believe it's hard for us to separate this digital person that we start to be inside a virtual world? Is it hard for us to separate that from our physical identity? Well, I, I, I think of a lot of times about um, how people in the digitally native kind of generation treat this notion of the avatar without maybe even articulated clearly to themselves. But if you think about the video gaming generation, like let's say, for example, League of Legends, it's, it's interesting to see because um, I had an esports uh, team in my lab. And so I'd learn a lot about technology by watching how they use it. And one of the modes that even though they're there ostensibly to play games is they're in their avatars socializing with each other. And they're not in a VR headset. They're on a flat screen driving around their avatar. And they start to really identify with that avatar. And sometimes in League of Legends, of course, there's a backstory to the characters they inhabit. And that becomes part of their own story as well, which is by design in the video game world. But they also come up with a very unique username, which almost becomes a code for another version of themselves in that avatar. And I found that if teachers or who they consider an adult knows their name, they were very shocked. So when it breached that virtual and real world where their names became known in the physical world, it was a bit of a shock to them. So avatars are something that if you spend long enough, you're going to start ha having some opinion about your avatar, how you feel you represent yourself or not in them, and what you wish to do differently or not because you're in an avatar. Do you behave differently? Do you talk to people different? A lot of people like in social media with avatars become more aggressive or they show an aspect of the personality that they are not willing to show in real life. So aspects of ourself become more predominant when we're in our avatars. You know, it reminds me of sporting events. I, I once wrote a paper for my master's degree about, huh. you know, the, the behavior and the change in some people's identity at like a big football game or a big hockey game where, you know, they're surrounded by, you know, people that maybe don't know them and therefore they sort of step out of their shell and, you know, they might right. pa paint their face or they might cheer, right. cheer much louder than That's they right. would say at home or, you know, in, in a, a work situation, but the gaming avatars have a slight difference than these new virtual worlds, these social virtual worlds 
in that you can have quite a large choice in these new worlds in regards to what you look like. Whereas in the gaming world, they sort of pigeonhole you into, you know, a certain character that you have to play in some of these virtual worlds, like, you know, the sky's the limit on what you can look like. And do you think people try and represent themselves? Or do you think by and large, the people that you've either researched or looked at or even experienced might misrepresent themselves into some character or avatar that isn't what they are in real life. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because I I have the conversation with people, even when we're in our avatars, like we'll we'll be in our, one of our meetings in the morning and we'll have like 10, 15 people in a room and everyone starts looking around and saying, oh, do I recognize this colleague of mine? Are they representing themselves like who they really look like? And I start to, I started to understand that most people, their first inclination is to represent themselves as a, as a kind of a digital twin of themselves in the virtual world. And then a very minor, very small minority of people, what they do is they create psychological self-portraits of who they are, but also the context of what type of metaverse or world you are in kind of creates a paradigm for how much you want to play with identity. What is the theatrics of your avatar? For example, if you're just in um, Horizon Worlds and it's a productivity tool, people tend to try to represent themselves as who they are because they're interacting with colleagues in business. But for example, if you're in Rec Room where you're just playing or VR chat, I mean, that is a smash up of virtual identities that just become so bizarre it mm-hmm. it can only be kind of qualified as like some sort of like theater virtual theater they're like costumes people put on and off so there's such a wide range of what happens and it depends on the context then whether you would create you would think of it as unethical representation or an authentic representation of self yeah i mean it makes me sort of think back to schools and some schools around the world, uh, for example, Singapore, their whole public school system requires uniforms. And right. they they believe, like many who sort of buy into this uniformity thing, that the uniform and what you look like on the outside, your shell of a body sort of dictates, you know, how you behave within the context of that environment. So, you know, whether right or wrong, you know, that sort of makes us think about as either, you know, business people or organizations that are educational based right. to what extent right. then should you give a huge right. variety versus not much of a variety on what their avatars look like. Because I, I've been in rec room and, you know, right. I actually, uh, and VR chat and th- there were instances because I'm, you know, by and large, a relatively serious person that I was uncomfortable with all these yeah. crazy, yeah. like you said, costume-like people roaming yeah. around me. I didn't even know who they were. And I didn't stay long in VR chat just because of that. And yeah. so I guess there's a question here I'm building up to, and that is, uh, you know, your choice as a company building a VR space or a virtual space should do you think you should limit what people are allowed to look like or is that unethical well i've been i've been considering that and we're starting to have those sorts of 
discussions because as people start to say their companies are web three companies and part of that strategy includes, you know, kind of metaverse environments, social VR spaces and so forth, you really have to ponder that. One of the aspects of what I want to discuss and talk about in my subsequent articles really is talking about this notion of what is brand identity for metaverse, right? And how to, how does a company then really think about uh, brand identity in metaverse? And so that's is that could be anything from the the, the physical three D environments that that are designed. How does that extend the brand? How do the behaviors of the people who come into the space that represent your company um, represent the brand? And and then lastly, of course, how have they look their their avatars? And so we're starting to really ponder that a good bit. And my my thinking overall is, you know, companies want to say, okay, they want you to be your authentic self. So represent yourself as who you really know yourself or think of yourself to be. And that's kind of like what carries from the physical world and into the virtual world well. But be playful and expressive at the same time without maybe rep- misrepresenting yourself. Like say, for for example, um, would it be good to represent yourself as African-American, in fact, if you're white in the mm-hmm. space and, and interact with customers or people as if that's who you are. But there's a caveat to it too. Now, what I've seen in some of these virtual environments I've been in, I heard a conversation the other day. This guy said he's going to be a speaker in one of our in one of our metaverse events. He goes, "Yeah, we needed more Latina women, and sorry, I didn't change my avatar. I'm still in a Latina woman body because um, there wasn't enough women <laughs> in this oh. space." And I'm like, "Boy, that is interesting." Yes. Wow. Yes. That is in, that is interesting. Also, by happenstance, people also sometimes don't realize what avatar they're stepping into because they're not well practiced in getting their avatars ready and and so forth. And the other day, um, to two, two I think women appeared as uh, two black men, two African American men in in one of the events, and I thought, boy, that's curious. And then I said to them, "Do you feel at all uncomfortable that?" Um, you look like a black man when you're a woman. And they said, well, we didn't realize it. Yeah. You know, we, Inter- we couldn't see ourselves. Interesting. I mean, so many companies now, you know, are focusing in on diversity, you know, yes. and all that. And I remember when I first started teaching, what, almost 30 years ago, like you weren't allowed an earring in your ear. You weren't. Oh, no. Tattoos, you know, it was so conservative, and you know, we've thankfully come a long way since then. And I, I like your, I like your comment about you know, a person should be allowed to represent, you know, their, you know, what they perceive themselves as their physical identity, but maybe not, yeah. not uh, misrepresent them, especially in a business or professional exactly. setting. So exactly. you know, those are those are great comments. I want to get into kind of the, the the legs issue. Like many of us know, depending on the platform, avatars can't or don't have, you know, legs to them yeah. because of, you know, either rendering issues or issues right. with servers. Yeah. And Meta had announced uh, yeah. in their latest uh, connect that they were going to try and solve that issue. In your mind, is that a game changer? Has it 
been for you or maybe with the people that you've talked to, you know, a bit of a disconnect or almost like not quite yet real enough when we wander around and see people without any legs as a VR avatar? My, my, my opinion, it's, it's not a real huge deal. I mean, we have in certain um, um, applications already, they have, you know, workable legs that look okay. And, you know, like VR chat, for example, right. And it could tell if you're seated or standing and it does give a little bit more kind of fidelity when you're looking out at people um, in these experiences, fine. But really ultimately, you know, you look at other applications that their avatars are not high fidelity. They're not trying to be, they don't, they have low, what I would call expressivity because it's not like they're tracking your face or they're just mouthing the words because it's responding to your audio. But there's many contributing factors that makes the appearance or the presence of another um, feel real and have quality to it. And of course, it's nice to have that kind of fidelity, but it's not necessary to create good experiences. For example, we laugh a lot about, you know, not having legs in these conference rooms in Horizon Workspace, but really we're talking to each other and making what feels like eye contact and um, pretty decent amount of kind of gestural reactions apparently, but they are not really ours. Now with that new headset, one of our colleagues joined us the other day and we could distinctly tell that he was looking at blinking, yawning, doing things like that. And it was, it was uncanny because we hadn't seen that before, but it's not like all of a sudden it made it 90% better. Mm. You know, it was, it was subtle. So I would say, I would say overall, no, it's not a huge deal. And that said, you know, there are some really low fidelity VR social spaces where, you know, you show up like Mozilla Hubs as a robot, you know, does that kind of downplay the experience and the level of engagement that you feel in the social VR platform when you look so, you know, almost like a a fantastical, so out of human-like character that the professionalism is lost. Is that sort of your opinion on that? Well, my opinion would be that really that um, context is what's going to dictate the necessity for fidelity in avatars. So for example, where I find it lacking or bothersome is when um, like say in an educational situation, right? Like engage VR wants to be like, well, they, they work with victory victory XR, I think. Um, but Engage VR wants to be an education and professional platform. And you go in there and it's really about doing these kind of high fidelity lecture demonstrations, interactive things. And then the avatars that you have kind of feel kind of like lifeless. And they um, the, the legs that you do have legs in there, as I recall, but the, you know, really the only thing that tracks is your arm. And it's almost trying so hard to try to come off as real that you look at the avatar's face, you feel like you're staring at just a low poly model that's got like a nice texture on it. And in that case, it just starts to feel like it's not satisfactory because you can't read any nuance from the, from the lecturer's face. You want to have him or her reacting to you when there's questions. And it just feels kind of like not very interesting, but if you hop into another type of metaverse space, social VR space, and the objective of it is um, uh, 
is, um, you know, do a shoot 'em up. Then we're running around like crazy people, like in rec room, throwing stuff around. We are uh, yelling. We're relying more on the voice cues of people, and 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 gaming. So we're not making like intimate f- facial contact and having calm. You know, pre, you know, ambling discussions about things. We're playing games, so the avatar needs to be suitable for the context of what type of social space we're in. And sometimes they just miss miss the mark. But you know, right now, in a lot of things like um, engage VR, just to, to me doesn't feel mm. quite there or suitable enough. The 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 I don't know if they're using a custom avatar SDK or something, but like. Facebook is is publishing their avatar SDK, and you could supposedly use it in a lot of different applica- custom applications you can develop. And I th- think that would be a really good idea in the case of Engage VR. Yeah, and how how far are we away from you know AI driven avatars that are almost hard to distinguish between you know a real person being in there and just a bot of some sort. Well, you know, it it seems like that that is not terribly far off. We can do things um, like chat boxes. I think now we were discussing that the other day that we would have something more like um, a high fidelity avatar based on a scan. Um, and so I was thinking about it the other day. Could we do like you know pre recorded lecture and we'd capture motion and have a really high fidelity avatar? Yes, with a good amount of money expenditure. And then a 3D scan, which is basically, you know, volumetric capture of someone inside a space. That is even more engaging at this point. But to have a full embodied, hyper-realistic uh, avatar, I think that is coming. And um, Epic has that uh, that avatar engine. I forget what it's called. But um, they're, they're going for photoreal avatars. And you can use them now in Unreal Engine um, with fi- face tracking software from a phone and it drives those and they look incredible but for having them really like resplendent and easily available kind of like what mark zuckerberg was alluding to with these avid so-called avid uh codec avatars i think they were calling it where it's it's also based on a, a face scan i really think that things like that are another you know three years out four years out and um but i feel like we're quickly gaining in that space so that we have highly photorealistic avatars. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Listen, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to read part is how many parts are the series of articles that you're writing on this topic that uh, for Acquient, is it a three part series? Three. Well, it was a four part series. So I'm just going to write three more. And what I want to just discuss now is, um, what I'll be writing about next is basically brand identity um, in business and what does that mean? And I, I'm kind of going to slowly open up the, 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 the true interest of mine in this is really about how in virtual spaces through our avatars are going to commodify identity. Mm-hmm. And that, that has to do a lot with the skins economy and how that precedent has already been set in video games like Fortnite. And so by skins economy, if other people out there don't know that quite as well, it's all the little microtransactions that video gamers do to put things on their avatars, you know, armor, um, hats, changing their outfits, generally shoes, 
weapons, all those sorts of things. So that is that is the dream that Mark Zuckerberg is living on, that they could create a skins economy for avatars where they could get identity to be something they could commodify. Hmm. And I'm going to circle back to this because for me as an educator, this would be a huge concern. And that is, as we start to, to play the role of our avatar in a virtual world, you know, I wonder how much, you know, behavioral psychology infiltrates that into then when we're outside of the virtual world and in the physical world, we become that person. Yes, I actually do think that is one of the real interesting, um, I real real super interesting ideas. And um, I I think about that as some some um, creative director in New York that I met said. Uh, uh, that is the issue of reverse identity. And so what happens when we role play for long enough in these avatars and we start to identify with their personalities, the way they look, their kind of role in these worlds, and then how does that carry into their real lives? And depending, like in anything else, if there's a healthy individual that can role play for long amounts of time or months or even years in a game and they use it as a way to explore themselves and grow from that that can be a healthy thing but right just like in any other activity a lot of times people like especially in the i don't know if you've seen um kids who are really into the first person shooters it brings out an aspect of their personality you don't normally see that is natural to them but they don't think it's odd they just become hyper violent in the games right and they really enjoy that. And then when they get out of those game worlds, it kind of sets the tone a little bit for how they see things longer. They play these types of games and I'm not alluding and saying, okay, then they're going to become shooters. I'm just saying that it allows you to express and be a way that maybe you are not during your everyday life and you experiment with it. And sometimes that becomes more who you are than who you thought of before in real life. In other words, Reverse identity is this idea that, you know, the things you do in virtual space, the way you look in virtual space starts to really become who you are in the real world. So fascinating. Giovanni, is there anything maybe left unsaid that you feel the audience might want to hear based on some of the things you've been thinking about for avatars and virtual worlds? You know, maybe alluding a little bit to what I'm kind of trying to think about in a way to write it productively is a lot of people think, you know, identity is limited in its scope in the virtual worlds. But I think there's many aspects of identity that we're learning about, especially with avatars in VR space or immersive space that is so subtle and incredibly interesting. And, you know, as companies figure out how to take this model from video gaming and um, the skins economy and putting it into VR and social worlds, it is going to be extremely interesting to see how companies conceive of identities you could consume, watch what you put on, how you interact with people, what you do as an avatar, and how they think that can become a business for them. I'm just thinking of Facebook in this respect. And some people are very disquieted by that idea, but in a way, it's the first time in, in, a, in a very tangible way in, in human existence as avatars that our identity could be commodified through a digital economy that we create.
And I find that super cool mm. and scary. <laughs> yes. Exciting times. If people want to get a hold of you, either just to read more about your thoughts on this or, you know, maybe they have questions. I know you do a lot of work in, you know, designing metaverse stuff. How would they go about what's the best way that someone could get a hold of you? Well, they can contact me at my email, and that is gcastillo at aquint.com. So it's G-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O at aquint.com. Yeah, and I always uh, encourage people to contact me, and I love this conversation. It was great. It helped me think about a lot of things, and I really appreciate that you contacted me for that, and I hope we'll get a chance to collaborate on some more things. I agree. Thanks so much, Giovanni, for taking your time out of your busy workday just to uh, to get people thinking about this, you know, this <laughs> this new <laughs> venture, if you will. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming last night. Yeah, it was fun. Bye for now. Bye.